Welcome to our class in Chassidus. We're going to be learning a beautiful Chassidic discourse from the Rebbe. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called the Nacha Olav Ruach Hashem, which is based on the uh, Haftorah for Achrin Shal Pesach. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse in the year Tafshin Chavhei, 56 years ago, and the Rebbe went on to certify and edit this Chassidic discourse in honor of Achrin Shal Pesach in the year Tafshin Mem Zayin, 34 years ago. So it's a very, very powerful Chassidic discourse, very, very deep Chassidic discourse. The Chassidic discourse, again, is based on the verse from the prophet Isaiah and the Avtorah of Achron Shal Pesach, where the prophet says as follows, V'nacha olav ruach Hashem, and it rested upon him the spirit of Hashem, Yudkei Vavkei, V'heirichoi b'yiras Hashem, and he was able to sense with the awe of Hashem, and then it continues on to say in the prophet, Vigar, Zev, and Keves, that the wolf will lie with the lamb. The famous analogy, what it's going to be like when Mashiach comes. So the Rebbe brings from the uh, previous Rebbe that um, explains in a Hasidic discourse on the same verse of Anach Olav Ruach Hashem, that in these verses, the prophet is describing the coming of Mashiach which hopefully will come very, very soon and very, very quickly. And he points out several ideas in reference to the King Messiah and the behavior of the King Messiah. So first he starts off to talk about Melech HaMashiach, the King Messiah himself. So the first thing the verse is referring to about Mashiach, who is he going to be? So the first thing is that the spirit of Hashem is going to rest on the, on, on, on the Mashiach. Afterwards, he explains his behavior. What's his behavior going to be? That he's going to be able to sense with the godly energy that he has that it's referring to his behavior like the Talmud says that Mashiach is going to be the Moirach Vadoin. He doesn't have to listen and question just with his smell he'll be able to know who's right and who's wrong. That's the way he's going to lead the people. Obviously because he has years Hashem, the awe of Hashem is going to be upon him. But we're referring to his behavior that he's going to be able to lead the people based on the powerful gift of the of, of sense. And then it goes on to say the Garazavim Keves that the behavior of, of Mashiach is going to be up until the point that he's going to affect that God is going to be revealed in the whole world, not only in the level of Medaber, humans, people that can speak, humans, but also on the level of what? Of of the animal kingdom. Like it says, Zev, a Nemer, a wolf, and a lamb, etc. Which and, and not only uh, not only in the in the in the in the uh, world of Medaber in the human world not only in the world of Chai which is again regards even Kaves but even into the Doimim the inanimate objects of the world Mashiach will have an impact as well like the verse says in the in the, in the prophet um, Isaiah he says Hashem, the whole world will be filled with knowing understanding of Hashem which means Aretz he uses the term Aretz what does Aretz mean? that even the physical materialistic earth which is the the world of doimim inanimate will be mala deyes Hashem that will have an impact on the world on all levels of medaber humans chai zevekeves and even on the physical world. 
so the previous rabbi points out, and he says we have to understand something. Why? What's the question? What are we saying? When Mashiach comes, the whole world is going to be filled with the knowledge of Hashem. Now, if the whole world is going to be filled with the knowledge of Hashem, godliness is going to reign. So why do you need a king? You need a king to take care of the people, to rule the people, make sure everyone's behaving, etc. If Hashem is revealed, then you don't need a king. So the Rebbe says, he explains over there as follows. What does it mean when we say a melech? What is the definition of a king? So the previous Rebbe explains that melucha, kingdom, is the idea of hisnasus. Something which is totally elevated, something which is totally, uh, in a certain way, disconnected on a much higher level than the people. Which basically means the idea that the king is separated and totally above and elevated from the people. That's the, that's the essence of a king. A king is not someone that's your buddy. He can't be a king that way. A king is someone that you're, you're in awe, you respect. It means he has a level of, uh, of, he's totally disconnected, he's much more elevated on a whole different level of the people. Not only that, not only is the king that way, but even the commands of the king, and even though, again, he, the king lo- loves his people and he wants to lead them and he wants to uh, take care of them and he's nice to them, but the commands from the king are in what manner? It's not in a friendly way. It's in a way of, hey, I'm the king, I'm putting down the rules, and he actually makes commands, he makes decrees. That's the way a king operates. The king himself is elevated, and even the way he operates is in a way of elevation. He's putting down commands and rules. And the same thing also, that's from the king's perspective, but also from the people's perspective. When a, when a person fulfills the command of the king, it's not because you understand and you appreciate the reason of every single decree and every single command of the king, but you're doing it because you're in awe of the king. You're afraid of the king. And we know it says in the Torah, that the fear of the king should be upon you. So there is a sense of um, uh, uh, removal between the king and the, and the people. The king is on high, making rules, and we accept there's a disconnect, and a healthy disconnect. In other words, so the way that the, ki- the king has an influence, an impact on the people, is in a way of elevation, disconnection. And again, it's not a judgment, it's the factual reality, the way a king operates. Okay, the Rebbe says, and this is also the difference when we find between the difference between a teacher and a king. The way a teacher operates and a king operates. Why? Because how does a a teacher have an impact and, and, and how does a teacher relate to his students? In other words, a good teacher gets close to the students, connects to the students, listens, understands, reasons with them. Not only that, but the teacher that wants to teach, teacher's brilliant, but he has to take all the brilliant ideas he has and he has to actually tone them down. In Hebrew it's called, he has to make a tzimtzum. He has to contract all his, his great ideas so that the student can get it. The student's are the student, the teacher's a teacher. He understands so much more, so much deeper. So he has to limit what he's giving over quantitatively and quantitatively so that the student should understand it and the student should comprehend it. So as you see that a teacher is really concerned that whatever he says, the student should appreciate, understand, connect to. There's a real closeness between the teacher and the student. On the other hand, how does a king operate? 
He's disconnected. And he's actually totally above the, the level of the, of the intellect of the people. The people don't necessarily understand or appreciate. But that's the relationship. Now, so the Rebbe says that these two ideas, the way a teacher connects, which is more of a closeness, and the way a king connects, which is more of disconnect, um, which in Hebrew is called the, the influence of a rav, which is a teacher and a melech, a king. It's the same, the same thing we find in Torah as well. well. Where do we see it in Torah? That you have these, both, of these, the, both of these ideas in Torah. Because there are certain things in Torah that we know, for example, we can comprehend, we can understand. Like, for example, the laws of the mishpatim. All the laws of mishpatim... We understand. It may, you have to learn it, but you learn it. You understand. There's more depth, but stuff that we can understand, we can relate to, we can appreciate. But on the other hand, when it comes to the essence of Torah, that's totally above intellect. How, the laws of Chukim, that are statutes, and even the whole essence of the whole Torah. Why did Hashem choose this, do that? It's above intellect. Now, so you see, in Torah, you have the aspect of Rav, which is a closeness, we understand, and you have the aspect of Malach, we don't understand. But the Rebbe says, nevertheless, La'asid lovayu, Mashiach comes, both the aspect that we understand and the aspect that we don't understand are totally going to be revealed. And that's one of the bit, what's one of the benefits and the gifts of Mashiach coming, that's what we look forward to Mashiach coming, is that a lot of things that we would love to know and understand when Mashiach comes will be revealed to us. And that's why, the Rebbe says, that's why Mashiach is called a Rav. He is a teacher. Why? Because he's going to teach us things that we could understand. And why the, why the Mashiach is also called a Melech. Why? Because we, we know Mashiach comes, he's going to teach Torah to the Jewish people. And he's gonna, and he's gonna share with us with 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 goodness, with understanding, a lot of secrets of the Torah, in the revealed part of the Torah, and the concealed part of the Torah. So all the things that Mashiach is gonna be as a teacher, obviously deeper teachings, but it's still teaching that we can comprehend and appreciate. That from that aspect, Mashiach is called a Rav, because he's gonna teach us powerful things. But nevertheless, even though Mashiach is going to teach us tremendous ideas and Torah that we're going to appreciate, we're going to learn, we're, we're going to understand. So from that aspect, he's called a Rab. But nevertheless, Mashiach himself understands much greater and much deeper um, than what he explains to us that we can understand with our understanding. Now, nevertheless, Mashiach is going to teach us all those things which is deeper than understanding, which obviously is much higher than intellect. Now, so how are we going to understand it? So we're going to understand it in a way of makif. means says we'll, we'll get it, but it's, it's going to be too powerful for us to internalize. Just like a king. So you see the Mashiach has two components. On one hand, he's a teacher. He's going to teach us things that we can comprehend. On the other hand, he's going to teach us things which is much deeper for us to comprehend. But as a king, he's going to share that with us. And the says it's possible to add as well that we all know that it says that this that Mashiach is going to go ahead and going to teach us Torah. It's going to be in a way of Ria, seeing, which is higher than comprehension. And as comprehension is, we understand. It's not everything we can comprehend, but sometimes when you see things, you can get things that you can't even comprehend. So the Rebbe says, it's, so based on this, we can understand this that. Mashiach is going to teach us in a way of a king. It's, 
it's ideas, the things that he's going to teach us is even higher than the idea of things that we can see, which is above intellect. And I was like this, there's three levels. There's a level we understand, that's the lowest. There's a level that we see, and then there's even a level even above that. So Mashiach is going to teach us, he's going to be a rab and teach us things that we understand. It's also the idea of Rira, we're going to, he's going to teach us as well, but he's even going to teach us something higher than Rira, higher than seeing. Now, but, but how can he do it? But the answer is because Mashiach has a melech, he's a king, and the melech is disconnected, and the melech can, can share things that we don't understand. So therefore, he will reveal to us these ideas as well. So again, so here you see, what was the question Rabbi asked in the beginning of the Chassidic discourse? If when Mashiach comes, the whole world will know godliness. Why do we need a king? So again, why do we need a king? So he says, very simple. Because the king, the Melech HaMashiach, is here to do two things. One is he's here to be a Rav, to teach us things that we can relate to. But he's also, he's the king component, because he's going to teach us things which is even above that we can normally see, and something which we totally can't comprehend. And because he's going to be that type of teacher, that's why he's called a Melech. Because he's going to introduce us things on the level of like a Melech does which teaches you things which is above intellect. Never say not only above intellect, even above things that are seeing, it's even above that as well. Now, the Rebbe brings, continues bringing from the Hasidic discourse from, from, the, from the previous Rebbe, that he says like this, all these powerful things that's going to happen when Mashiach comes, which means he's going to teach us like a teacher, and he's going to teach us like a king things that, wow, it's totally above our, our intellect, totally above our seeing, he's going to teach us all that. That is going to be coming to us specifically with the introduction of our work in the time of Gullus. So right now we're in Gullus. Right now we're in exile. And when we do our avoider now in exile, that's going to be the key and that's going to pave the way that Mashiach will be able to teach us as a rabbi and as a king, etc. So Rebbe says, that's in the previous Rebbe in, in, in that Hasidic discourse. Rebbe says, so we need to understand what's the connection between our avoider in Golis, our avoider in exile, to the tremendous revelation that's going to be in the future when Mashiach comes. So he explains in the Hasidic discourse and he says like this. Because in Golis, what hap- what's life in Golis? What does Golis mean? In Golis means there's huge quantitatively and qualitatively concealments of godliness. That's what Golis is. Gula means God's revealed and Golis means God's concealed. So Golis means there's a huge amount of concealment of godliness. That's what Golis is. Now, so what happens is when Hashem is revealed, it's very easy to learn, to pray, to be happy, to do mitzvahs. Life is great. Hashem is revealed. What happens when Hashem is concealed? When Hashem is concealed, our mood goes down the tubes. We're not inspired to learn. We're not inspired to pray. We're not inspired to do mitzvahs. I mean, we do it as best as we can, but we're missing the fire. So what happens is, the Rebbe says, that during Golos, how do we have the strength when Hashem is concealed to continue learning, to continue praying, to continue doing the mitzvahs, to continue loving everybody, to continue being besimcha? So the avoiding galus is, we know in the sfirot, there's ten spheroids. There's a three intellect, chachma bin adas. Then you have the seven emotions, chesed, gvur, tiferes, 
Malchus. So the Rebbe says the avoida in Golos, the, the, the attribute that we need the most, and it helps us get through Golos days, is the Midah of the Ten Sphere specifically, and this is important, the Midah of Nitzachin. So if you're having a tough day, don't try to use Chachma. Don't try to use Chesed. I mean, you can use it, it's good. But what you need to get through a tough day of Golos is Nitzachin. Nisachim means we're going to succeed. We're going to plow through. We're going to make it happen. How? It's not an intellectual thing. It's not an emotional thing. Nisachim is the power to plow through Golos days. Which, and there explains, what does it mean practically? To be strong. Nisachim means I'm going to be strong in fulfilling all the mitzvahs, the 248 positive, the 365 negative, the total of 613, learning Torah in actuality. So Nitzachayin is the energy and the force of Golas days that allows you and gives you the force to continue learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. I, there's things that are bothering you. So Nitzachayin says, no, no, we don't think about things that are bothering us. We don't think about things that are holding us back. We don't negotiate with the enemy from within or without. We just continue learning, praying, Doing mitzvahs, not disconnecting. That's nitzachin. That's the that's the component of nitzachin. So in Gullah days, when you get up and you're not in the mood, nitzachin says, "Guess what? We're going to make it through the day. How? We just do it. We just do it. Nitzachin is the power and the energy to just do it. Which what does that mean practically? Gerber says that's the avoida of mesiris nefesh. You're going on self sacrifice. What does that mean practically? And Gerber says It's beyond understanding, reasoning, explaining. It's just going ahead and doing it. Which basically means, and everybody spells it out, mysterious nefesh means you don't go into any negotiation. The devil, the Yetzirah from within or out, gives you reasons. Don't argue with the devil. What are you getting involved with the devil? We're here to do. We're here to pray. We're here to study. We're here to do mitzvahs. Up to the point that the tzachim means it's, it's not possible to do it any other way. We're here. We're here to learn Torah. We're here to do mitzvahs. We're here to pray. We're here to be happy. We're here to love all the Jews. And that's what Nitzachin is. So Nitzachin is your tool, go-to tool, that you need in Gullus to get through life. That's what Gullus is. Gullus is God's concealed. Nitzachin is, even though God's concealed, we're still going we're to we're, we're, we're make it through. What's the idea behind it? And there explains like this. In the times of the base of Migdash, the Jewish people are on a very high level. Think about it. We had the base of Migdash. We had the temple. We had the high priests. We had all the priests. So first of all, the Rebbe says, in the times of the base of Migdash, the people, their intellect was beyond. Brilliant people. Brilliant people on a very, very high level. So that's number one. So first of all, in the time of Beis HaMikdash, God was revealed. So people's intellect were, 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 was huge. Very, very strong. Also, when the Jewish people went up to, to the temple, we know it's a mitzvah to go three times a year to the temple, so they went three times a year to the temple. Guess what? They saw godliness. Now, we can't relate because we don't see it like they saw it then. And they saw it in a way, like we explained before, intellect is only here. Seeing is much higher. So they're able to see godliness. And like the Torah says clearly, shalosh pamim bashana, three times a, a, a year, yeroah, you're going to see godliness. And just like you came to see, you saw godliness, godliness saw you. That's the time of the temple. 
So the time of the temple, A, people were tremendously intellectually developed, and B, they saw God in godliness in the times of the temple. However, what happens in the times of Gullus when God is concealed? We don't have the temple. We're not this huge intellect, and we cannot see God in a revealed way. So what does it say in the, in, in the prophets? Ani Yashena. I am sleeping. And Chazal tell us what does that mean? What do you mean God sleeping? In the time of Gullus, it's if God sleeping. Now, what does that mean, God sleeping? So we know, for example, physically, when we go to sleep at night, what happens? Or all our internal koiches, our intellect, our emotions are sleeping, they're dormant. Starting from our intellect, that what happens when you're sleeping, the power of, of comprehending and meditating is, is, is not really working, it's not active. What's, what, it's just like a, an illusion that takes place while you're sleeping. And that's in the intellect. And the Rebbe says not only in the intellect, but actually the main concealment that happens when you're sleeping is in your eyesight, you don't see. And as we see physically, what happens when you go to sleep? Do you sleep with your eyes open or your eyes close? Your eyes close. Why is your eyes close? Because you can't see, so your eyes close. So while you're sleeping, your intellect is not operating the way in full, full capacity. An illusion is there. Seeing, we don't see as well. So the Rebbe says that's the same thing that happens in Gullus, in exile. So what does that mean? What is the concealment of Gullus? That in Gullus, unfortunately, in exile, we don't see God and godliness. As it says in the, in the prophets, We don't see. We don't see. The signs, we don't see it. So A, we don't see. And even the comprehension of godliness, which we do have a little comprehension of godliness in Gullus, but you can't compare the comprehension of godliness to the way it was in the times of the temple. Up until the point that the comprehension of godliness during Gullus compared to the comprehension of, go of godliness in the times of the temple, it's almost like an illusion, like when you're sleeping. Now, what, so therefore, so what happens in Gullus? We don't co comprehend godliness, we don't see godliness, and therefore, what's the end result? So therefore, the end result is our love for God, our being in awe for God, uh, in times of Gullus, it's not complete. It's not the way it should be. Why? Because besides the fact that during Gullus, because we don't understand and we don't see the way we saw, we don't see the way we saw in the temple, and we don't see, so therefore the humility of prostrating ourselves, which in Kabbalah it's called bitul pnimi, totally be humbled and totally willing to accept in a, in a, in a, in an internal way Hashem, which only comes from seeing godliness. Because when you see godliness, then you totally, then you totally, you're ready to accept anything and everything. But what happens you don't see? How can you accept? So we don't have the bitul pnimi. We don't have the ability to totally accept in an internal way because we don't see. Like the verse says clearly, We cannot go up. We can't go up and see. And because we can't go up and see, we can't totally prostrate ourselves. We just don't see. When you see, you totally become humbled. Another, since we cannot go up to the temple and we cannot see, therefore we cannot prostrate. We can't have the bitl plimi. We can't have a total acceptance of Hashem from an internal place. That is bitl plimi. We sure we can't have. But the Rebbe says, even a bitl chitsoini, even just accepting from an external place, which is called, in, in the Hebrew, it's called bitl dechriya, just a, 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 not ishtachavah, so you're totally prostrated. But chriya is even like, um, uh, 
bowing partially, which comes from what, what inspires someone to accept Hashem, it comes from understanding godliness. Now, even though we have that in the time of Golos in some perspective, but it's not complete, because it's not the true understanding like they had in the times of the temple. So therefore, we don't have the ability to see. We don't have the ability to understand. So because of that, we don't have the ability to have a bitl primi for sure not, and even bitl chitzoni, it's hard for us to have. So therefore, how are we supposed to have love for Hashem in Gullus? How are we supposed to have awe from Hashem? Where is it coming from? And the answer is, the main avoida, the main service in Gullus is one avoida, like we mentioned before. And that is Nitzachin. The Midah of Nitzachin, that's your go-to Midah, that's your go-to tool, the, 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 the Midah of um, uh, Nitzachin, which basically inspires Messiris Nevesh, that's what you need in Gullus. We're just, even though, yes, you're right, I don't see and I don't understand, but I am going to do the right thing. I am not going to do the wrong thing. And not only that, what happens is, in Gullus, unfortunately, every single generation, as we go away from the, from the generation of the temple, our minds get weaker, our hearts get weaker. And there were quotes over here, famous uh, Talmud in the uh, tractate, Ervin. The, the, the Talmud says like this, that um, the hearts of the first people were like the entrance to the temple and then afterwards like the entrance to the uh, to the ant- to the heichal and today unfortunately us is like literally like the hole of on top of a needle that's how low our connection is to, uh, to really understand and, and feel Hashem, and feel Hashem and there's not only that especially today when we're living in the times of Ikvis the Meshicha which means we're like the last generation on the heels of heels of, of the, the generation right before Mashiach comes where, we, where the incre- increase of concealment um, and and the obstruction of, of seeing the light and besides the fact that our intellect obviously is weakened, and we have the, fa- the fact that uh, Hashem is more concealed, so therefore, what are we left with? We can't rely on intellect, we can't rely on seeing, so therefore, in this generation, the only thing that we have left is Nitzachain. The meat of Nitzachain. And going on Messiris Nefesh, above intellect and understanding because intellect and understanding we don't have full intellect and understanding how is that going to help us so we have to use specifically the meat of Nitzachai Netzach and Messiris Nefesh and Rebbe says clearly even let's say for example there are people that are they believe they're intellectual so he says and Rebbe says clearly in Golos even the big intellects that are that there are some intellects today they have to be willing to let go of their intellect and not go after their, their understanding and their reason why? Because when you use your intellect, it's unfortunately possible that the intellect can take you on the wrong, off the, off the truth path. And especially now that, that there's tremendous concealment. So what do you have to use? And again, the river brings it back full circle. To stand strong. Not to veer off the path of code of the Jewish law. That's where we live our life based on the code of the Jewish law. Even, like literally the top, the point on top of a yud. Even a drop. Not to veer off anything. Which is basically, in Hebrew, it's called the Avoidah and the way of Nitzachin. Serving Hashem with the level of Nitzachin. Mesiris Nefesh, above intellect. <clears throat> now, the Rebbe asks a very, very simple question. What are we saying here? What tool do we use in, 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 in Golis? God's concealed. We don't have the intellect. We don't, we don't have the vision. So what tool are we left with? The Rebbe says we only, we only have one tool. The tool is Nitzachin. Nitzachin. So everybody asks a very, very simple question. What are we saying? In Golos, 
Intellect is weak. Seeing godliness is weak. Because God is concealed. And God is concealed, and we're, we're living now in, in, in the, right before Mashiach, coming, it's even darker. So why is it that, that the gallus and the concealment has, is able to affect our intellect, able to affect our sight, but it, it cannot affect our, 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 our power of Netzach? Like, what's unique about this Netzach tool that we're saying it's the go-to tool in gallus? Why is that the only one that's strong? And it was, everything else is weak. But guess what? Netzach is strong. Wow, what, where's, what is that from? And the Rebbe, the Rebbe says, he, the Prediker explains in the Chassidic Discourse, and he says like this, and the answer is, because every one of the spheroid have a source where they come from. And the source of Netzach, which we already learned this in the Yitzhak Maimer, but well, obviously we're learning it here, the source of Netzach is where? Is in Etzem HaNefesh, in the essence of our soul. So Netzach, yeah, it's right. It's one of the it's one of the ten Svirot. But on the other hand, what's the source of Netzach? The source of Netzach is in the essence of our soul. So since the source of Netzach is in the essence of our soul, so the same thing never says is on high. That the Shirish, the source of Netzach in the Svirois, knows Netzach within us is in our soul. Netzach on high in the Svirois is where in Kesser, which is the highest sphere, which is a Makif. But in Makif, we know there's a, a premius and Chitonius, uh, Atik and Aruch, Tainag and Rotzain. So the Shoyrish of Netzach is in premius a Kesser. And what happens is since, um, the Netzach is in premius a Kesser, and we know in premius a Kesser, there's not, there nothing changes. It's always strong. It's always solid. And as the Rebbe quotes a verse that says, "Vagam Netzach Yisrael lo Yishacher v'lo Yinochem ki lo Yadam Hulu Yinochem." That Netzach of the Jewish people—that's something which doesn't lie. That doesn't—that that doesn't get changed because you're you reached in a very very high high place. Why? Because we're and it says, "Ki lo Yadam Hulu Yinochem." Because where is it possible to make changes and to change your mind? That's on the level of Adam. Other means a shtalshlus, when things go down from level to level. But since, what's the shayrish of Netzach? Primius HaKasser, on the level of lo yodom. Adam is a problem, because Adam changes. We all know, we change, based on this one said this, that one said that, based on the temperature. But on the level of lo yodom, there's no changes there. Which is basically means it's lamayla, it's higher than ishtalshlus. In ishtalshlus, things change. But above ishtalshlus, above the way thing, the, the law and order, there's no changes. And therefore, there's not going to be any changes. And that is revealed in Gullus. So everything else, unfortunately, in Gullus is concealment. But Netzach, since the Shoyrish of Netzach is an Etzim and Efesh, on high, the Shoyrish of Netzach is in Primis Akasar, so Netzach is something which hasn't changed, doesn't change, and won't change. And not only that, it takes it a step further. And specifically in the time of Gullus, in exile, where God's concealed, our intellect is not sharp, we don't see 100%. And especially in Ikvist the Mashiach, where on the heel steps of Mashiach, obviously it's even darker. So the power of Nitzachin, and the power of Mesiris Nefesh is even more revealed than in the times of Temple. So again, back to the point, Netzach is the go-to tool now. And Netzach is strong, and Netzach will never change, and Netzach will never fail you. Now, Trevor says, this is what he explains in the Hasidic Discourse, and at length, with the, the tremendous quality of the Shoyrish, the source of Netzach, which we said is in the Etzema Nefesh, and in Primis Akasar. Why is he doing that? Because 
He wants to explain to us that what's going to happen in the future when Mashiach comes, as you mentioned already before, all the revelations that Mashiach is going to reveal to us, as a Rav and as a Melech, comes what? Through our Avoida in Golas. Now, so, so the Avoida of Golas is what causes the revelation in the, in the future. Now, since the Avoida in Golas, what, what causes us to continue staying strong in Golas? With all the concealments, all the darkness, all the challenges, what causes us to keep on going? And the key thing we just learned is the Midah of Netzach. Netzach is what allows us to plow through. So the inspiration for all our learning, for all our mitzvahs, for all our praying, for all our happiness, for everything comes from the Midah of Netzach. And what do we say? The Midah of Netzach comes from where? What's the Shoyrish? Primius of Keser, the internal part of Keser. Uh, the level of, like it's, uh, of Yoshes Choyshech Sisrei, which means Hashem used the darkness for a veil. That means within the darkness, that's where it comes from, the deepest places, which is, and those, it's a place which is higher than revelation. So therefore, when we do our Avoidah in Golos, through the media of Netzach, what's going to happen is when Mashiach comes, that what's going to be revealed to us is things which is, uh, which is, above comprehension and above seeing because when we do our avoida now we don't understand it and we don't see it we're reaching deeper we're reaching premium sakasar so we're reaching to a place which is above understanding and seeing so when mashiach comes that's going to be revealed to us what's going to reveal to us things which are above intellect and above seeing and what's going to happen then is mashiach is going to reveal those things to us as what as a melech as a king and again, that's obviously brings it back to full circle. Why is it that we're going to need a king when, when, when Moshiach comes? Because the purpose of the king is to reveal to us things which is above intellect and above vision based on our and Golis, which is from Netzach, which the source is Primius Akasa, which is above vision and above intellect. So over there in the Chassidic Discourse, the previous rabbi continues to say and explain this idea that we're saying that the revelation that's going to be in the future when Mashiach comes, how does that happen? It comes specifically through our avoidah when in Golis. So the avoidah that we do in Golis, which we already explained before we do it with the inspiration of the Midah of Netzach, that's going to cause the re- tremendous revelation of future when Mashiach comes. So he explains over there based on the whole idea of the neshama. We know our neshama that we have, every one, of our, every one of us have a soul within us, a godly soul. And the godly soul was first on high with Hashem. And the soul came down into our body. Now, if you think about it, the soul is on high with the infinite God. Why is it coming into the body? When the soul was on high, it was free. Infinite free. Comes down to body, it's confined. It's restricted. It's stuck. Why would it do it? And the answer is, because it's, it, uh, there's no question, it's 100% the Yerida. It's a downgrade. Before it was with the infinite, now it's, now it's finite, with the finite. But, so it's definitely a Yerida. But the purpose of the Yerida, of the Neshama, of the soul coming down here, is so that when it's done with its job, not only it goes back to its original place, it's going to go even higher. So the Rebbe says, that's in reference to what, the way the Neshama comes down here. So the Neshama comes down here, the purpose is for an Aliyah that goes afterwards. So the Rebbe says the same thing also applies to the Yerida of Gullus. The Yerida, because God was con- revealed all over. Then all of a sudden that is a concealment. 
which is a Yerida. God's concealed. That's a, that's a downgrade. So the Yerida of God, so God is concealed. What's the, why is God, God's concealed? It's a downgrade. But the answer is, the downgrade is because of the Aliyah that's going to be after Golis. Which means, very simple, when we do our Avoidah, when, specifically in the time of Golis, when it's dark and Hashem is concealed, so because of our Avoidah, specifically in the time of Golis, that's going to cause and create the tremendous revelation of when Mashiach comes which is actually going to be higher than the revelation that we mentioned before in the times of Ismigdash. We said in times of Ismigdash, God was revealed. People understood and people saw godliness. That's great. That's wonderful. But when Mashiach comes, it's going to be even greater than the times of, of, the, of the temple. So the Rebbe says, this that the, 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 the previous Rebbe adds, this explanation, that the purpose of the Yerida, of Gullus, is in order to create the Aliyah afterwards. Why is he saying this? That he's explaining this in order to explain the reason that even this component that Mashiach is going to reveal to the, reveal to us ideas, not only as a Melech, stuff that's off the charts, but even the simple things that we comprehend that even the things that Mashiach is going to teach us as a regular teacher, things that we can we, we can comprehend, he's going to teach to us in a way of a saga, we can understand it, but even through seeing it, and this that Mashiach is going to teach us things that we can see, and uh, that we're going to see and understand, also comes to the void of Golas. Not only the things that he's going to teach us off the charts comes from the Gullah, and Gullahs, but even the things that are in the charts, things that we could comprehend, things that we could see, also comes to our void of Gullahs. Now, the fact is, when, when, when the times of the temple, we already had a saga, we had Ria. But nevertheless, Mashiach is going is to reveal to us as well. And why is that? And Dara explains like this. So Dara is going to go now into a very heavy Hasidic uh, Kabbalistic journey. So bear with me. Actually, join me in the journey. And Dara says like this. Dara says we're going to understand this from the general Yerida, the general downgrade of all the levels of Ishtalshalos. Hishtalsos means the way things flow down from one level to the next, from one world to the next, from the spherot, and so on and so forth. And he says like this. Let's take from the beginning. Before Hashem created the world, the infinite light was all over the place. All over. Infinite was all over. What happens? God decided he wanted to create a finite world. So how do you take from infinite and create a finite world? It's like opposite, not even opposites. It's like it's like it, it, you can't even compare the two. You can't even say the two in the same sentence. So the first thing Hashem had to do, which we call in, in the world of Kabbalah, so we know the term of tzimtzum. Tzimtzum means a contraction, a concealment uh, to create, to, to downgrade something. But there's something which goes in its own class in itself, and it's called tzimtzum rishain. The first contraction of light, that's called the tzimtzum rishain. Now, when Hashem decided to create the, this physical world, so you have the infinite light, in order to create the finite world, there had to be a symptom reach in the first symptom. What's the f- first symptom? So we know when Hashem created the first symptom, which means he created an empty space. And it was first, the infinite light was all over. So Hashem created a symptom reach, which means he created empty, empty space. So Rebbe said like this. This first symptom was A, A, was in the light of the infinite, the light, the light that has no end, which is without limits. So the Tzimtzum Rishon 
was A in the Oyrein Seif Abligwal in the infinite light, and it was also a symptom, a concealment in the Oyer that is of a limit, with the light that was for the world. So the symptom affected A, the infinite light, and B, the finite light. Now, obviously, it was a, a two different impacts. But what the Rebbe is saying is that the Tzimtzum HaRishon impacted the infinite light and the finite light. Albeit differently. And we're going to explain the difference. So the Rebbe says like this. In the infinite light, what did the Tzimtzum do? The only thing it did was that the infinite light was concealed and it got included in its source. It got, it got, so to speak, vacuumed up in its source. So again, there was a symptom which affected the infinite light, affected the finite light. The impact it had on the infinite light, so technically to the light itself, it didn't play with the light. The infinite light is still the infinite light. The only difference is it's concealed. It's not shining now. It's not revealed. It's, so to speak, went in hiding. So it's not shining in a revealed way where it was shining before. Which basically means that the symptom did not affect the light itself. Because the infinite light remained infinite. The only thing was it wasn't shining in the world, in, in the in this in this in this area that it was taken away from. So that was the impact. So the symptom reshining the impact on the infinite light was not it didn't affect the light itself. It just affected that it was not shining. So it's like, for example, someone goes into a closet, the person still exists. They're just hiding in the closet. So the same thing also with the infinite light. The infinite light was still infinite. It just went into hiding. Okay. Now, what is the reason? And the reason is very simple. Since this light is way off the charts than this world, so the symptom could not affect a downgrade in the light. The only thing it accomplished was that it went into hiding. Now, so that's with the infinite light. On the other hand, let's talk about the second component. You had the light, the finite light, which was going to be used to light up this world. So over there, what Hashem did was he actually took this powerful light, but it's a finite light, and over there, there was a symptom in the light itself. In the infinite light, the light existed. It just went into hiding. In the finite light, which is still powerful light, there was actually a symptom in the light itself. And on, on three levels. Level number one, the Rebbe says, is that before the symptom, this finite light was able to hang out with the infinite light. It was able to hang out with the infinite light. When Hashem made the symptom, what did he do? It got separated. So now, it actually is, it, 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 it's not hanging out with the infinite light. So it affected the finite light in the, in, in the regard that till now his body was infinite light. And now he's on his own. That's a downgrade. Can you imagine you're hanging out with the big Bacher infinite light and now you're hanging out with yourself. So that obviously affects you. Your body, where's your infinite light? Not here. So the first component of the symptom in the finite light was that up until then it was able to miraculously hang out with the infinite light, which is another whole discussion for itself, but it basically got 
disconnected, and now it's standing on its own two feet. That's point number, point number one. Point number two. Once Hashem made the symptom, and it separated from the infinite light, the second thing is, it created different levels in, the, in, the, in this light, <coughs> as we call the ten spheroids. In other words, there's a big argument in Kabbalah whether the spheroids are in the vessels or on the light. Hasidus' opinion is that the, the spheroids are not only in the vessel, but in the light itself. So in other words, what's the second component of the symptom? That not only is it not hanging out with the infinite light, now there's already different levels. This is the light of Chachma, this is the light of Bina, this is the light of Das, Chesed Gur Tiferes, that's Chayt Yisrael Malchus. So now what happens is through the first symptom, you have now different levels in the light, different, different types of light, etc. Now obviously every one of these things we can talk about for hours, but we're just going to go through it the way David discusses it over here, so we can have, the goal is obviously to learn this discourse. But these are deep ideas, every one of them. That's the second component. What's the third component? That after the tzimtzum, or through the tzimtzum, so now this light that became the light of Chachma, the light of Bina, the light, etc., the light went into a vessel. Into a vessel. What happens when it went into a vessel? So I'm going to say the word in Hebrew. So once it went into a vessel, it became Behakshama. That means it became more physical. It became more earthly, more materialistic. Not literally, but it became a little more, uh, not as delicate as the fine light. Which means it became a little like the vessel. So again, just to recap. Let's to recap. What the Rebbe is saying over here is like this. In the first symptom, so the symptom, first thing the Rebbe says, the symptom was A in the infinite light, B in the finite light. Now, the, the symptom of the infinite light was not that it affected the light. It just the light went into concealment. The symptom of the finite light, three areas. One is it got disconnected from the infinite light. Number two is now already have different components of light of Chachma, Binadas, different ten sirot. And the third, it got connected to the vessel, therefore became more, um, uh, un- uh, it became unrefined, it became a little more coarse and more, or more materialistic and more physical. Now, the Rebbe says the same thing also with the concealment when the Neshama, neshama come, came down to this world. When the Neshama came down to this world, where was the Neshama before? It was with the infinite Hashem. And then it came down to this to this physical world. So the Rebbe says the, the concealment that happened to the Neshama went through the same process like with the Tzimtzum Rishon with the light. Why? And the Rebbe explains very simple because all concealments, the source is the Tzimtzum Rishon. Any time you have a concealment that takes place, it means you're going from a revelation to a concealment, it follows the pattern of the first Tzimtzum. Because then you had the light, and then you had the con- uh, the concealment, and then you created whatever the con- concealment created. So anytime you want to go from light to concealment, it follows the same patterns of Timson Rishon. So therefore, when the soul came down to this world, we're going to follow the same pattern, Derba says. There's two ideas. Just like the two ideas in the first Timson. Number one is like this. When the Neshama was on high, before before it came down to this world. 
Every one of the attributes in the Shama was shining in a revealed way. What happens when the Shama comes down to this world? So we're going to follow the first pattern. Just like when the infinite light, what happened? Nothing happened to the Neshama, to the light. It just went into concealment. So the same thing also, the Neshama that comes down here, the component, the infinite part of the Neshama, guess what? Is here, but it's concealed. The Neshama didn't change. The soul that's down here did not change. It just the power got concealed. It's hidden somewhere. But the neshama itself is not technically, it's not technically, it's not watered down. It's the same neshama, it's just concealed. That's point number one. In other words, it doesn't mean, God forbid, that the body is concealing the, the neshama. No. It means very simple that the neshama, before it came down to this world, the energy of the neshama, the high powered energy, so to speak, got concealed on high. And that part didn't even come down to the body. It's not that the body conceals the neshama. The body can't conceal the neshama. But the neshama, before it came down, like, so to speak, part of its heavy, intense energy stayed on high. Just like the infinite light does not shine into that area of the empty space. That's point number one. Just like the first symptom. Point number two is, once the neshama comes down into the body, guess what happens? Now, it, just like in the, in the first symptom, the second part, it, 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 um, it got disconnected, and then you have different levels, and then it became, so to speak, um, more coarse, more materialistic. The same thing happened to Neshama as well. The second component, the second component is that what? It became materialistic. Just like the concealment, um, of the light of the cab, which is the finite light that came down to the world, which gets more material, materialized and, and, and physical because of the vessels that it comes into. So that's in terms of what the Neshama coming down to this world. Now we're going to use the same analogy in reference to Gullus, in reference to exile. And in exile, there says you have the same two components. What are the same two components? One is that in Gullus, we don't have the revelation like you had in the, like you had in the times of the temple. No, times of the temple, wow, the light was revealed. In Gullus, it's not revealed. Like we, like we quoted before, in the times when the temple is destroyed, what do we say in, in the prayers? We can't go up, we can't see, because it's concealed. Because we, we don't have the ability to see godliness. So Gullus means, just like the first symptom, one hand is, Hashem is everywhere, but Hashem is hidden, Hashem is concealed. That's component number one. Number two is, even the comprehension that we have in the times of Gullus, we sit down to learn, we sit down to pray, and we can't comprehend certain things. But guess what? We're living in a physical world. There's heavy concealment. So even our comprehension is not 100% truthful. Not only because we don't have the revelation, that's the first component, but even because of the concealment of Gullus, which conceals Godliness, so during Gullus, unfortunately, even we, what we do understand, it's, 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 it's lacking. It's more physical. It's more materialistic. It's more self. It's hard to see the true essence of the refinement of the light. So what you have clearly is, ever showing you from the Tzimtzum Rishon, the way the contraction of the light, so it creates a concealment, and ever shows you the way it's, it's A, it's in the Neshama, that's in the in this world. B, it's in the in the level of Gullus. So you're gonna ask yourself, wow, why did Hashem create a symptom that what? That 
In other words, obviously, in terms of the world, the world wouldn't be able to exist without like, Simpson. The neshama, why can why can the neshama be more revealed? Why can't why do we have to have gullus where Hashem is not revealed in gullus? So the Rebbe says very very simple. What was the reason? And let's go back to again because everything goes to the first symptom. What was the reason? The kavana. What was the intent of the first concealment? Why did Hashem go ahead? The infinite light was all over the world, and Hashem decided to make a, a, a concealment. Why? Wasn't Hashem was concealing? Because Hashem had a plan. He had a vision. His vision was that there should be a physical world, a materialistic world, and the infinite light should eventually be revealed in that world. So again, to be clear, the intention of the concealment, the first symptom, wasn't the intention. The intention of the symptom was not to take away. The intention was so that the infinite light should be in the world. Now, what does that mean practically? Because before Hashem created the symptom, before Hashem created the concealment, if you wanted to have the infinite light to take, to be in this empty space that Hashem created, you couldn't have had a world. You couldn't have had a world. It's infinite. How can, how can infinite and finite go together? And therefore there would not be any revelation in the world. But what happens is by creating the concealment, by creating the contraction, something new happened. What happened is that it's possible for the infinite light to be in this world. So it's important to remember, this is key. The intention of that symptom was not for concealment. The goal was revelation. On the contrary, without the, without the symptom, there wouldn't be any revelation. So the intention and the goal of that symptom, it's important to know this, it implies in everything in life. Anytime there's a contraction, anytime there's a concealment, you have to ask yourself, what's the real intention? The real intention is for the revelation. This changes everything. And Rebbe explains this, this deep idea, and he's going to explain it based on what it's known, and he says like this. This idea that the concealment of the symptom, because the symptom does create a concealment, which basically means with the infinite light was concealed, so to speak, when, when hiding. In other words, before the symptom, when the infinite light was in the, was in, was in the space where, where it's afterwards. What happened over then, before the symptom, so what was real? Real was godliness. World wouldn't even exist. In Hebrew, it's called elikus. Godliness was reality. And this world is not possible. It would be a novel breakthrough idea that it's possible to have a conceal a world that exists, a, a, a physical world. That's before the symptom. What happened when Hashem took away the light and created a symptom? Now there's no infinite light. There's a finite light. So and there's concealment. Once there's concealment, what is a reality? Physicality. Materialism is real. God? Who heard of God? God is gone. God is concealed, so to speak. In other words, again, to be, to be clear, before the concealment, God was a reality. This world would be like a foreign idea. After the concealment, this world is a reality and God's a foreign idea. What's the difference between these two ideas in the way we serve God? And there explains on many, many levels. He says like this. This would be like similar to the idea of the difference between seeing godliness 
and understanding godliness. It means very simple. When you know or understand or relate, relate to God and godliness because you see, you see God, you see godliness. Even if you see from the level of intellect, it could be the level of vision, but even the level of intellect, how much more so if you see, if you're a prophet, you can see God and godliness, which is literally seeing a prophet sees. So what happens then is your knowledge of God, because you see, that's reality, that's simple. You don't need proof. If you see God and God, you need proof. Anything you see, you don't need proof. But what happens when your understanding of God is intellectual? So then, it's a novel idea. If you see, so then you see. If you don't see and you understand, so that you, you, you technically don't see, and because you comprehend it, that's a new idea. So that's in general. But let's make it more specific. The truth is, this idea that God is real, and this is reality, and that's, you know, that's the baseline. When is that going to happen? Now it can't be now, because now we don't see God and godliness. Now, God and godliness is, wow, it's a novel idea, because we don't see it. So God is, is actually, wow, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, God is really exists, we have to prove it. You know, does God really exist? But when Mashiach comes, godliness is going to be very simple. We're all going to see it. So the Rebbe says, not only, because when Mashiach comes, we're all going to see God and godliness, it's going to be seen on the, the highest level. So says, on a certain level, even the prophet that prophesizes today, it's also, he has to prove, he says, I saw. It's not 100% real. Why? Because the fact is like this. In this physical world, everyone sees physicality. A table, a chair, a building. That's what we see. And it's not like a, wow, you saw a table. This is what we see. Now, a prophet, not everyone's a prophet. Not everyone can see. There are some prophets. You have to be, you have to be groomed to be a prophet. You have to have, you know, the, 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 the sincerity, the fineness of being a prophet. Because we know, for example, it says clearly, if you want to be a prophet, you have to be a big intellect. You have to be, a, be someone that controls your emotions and so on and so forth. And even let's say someone that's a brilliant intellect you, and you see things through your intellect. Not every person, it's only special people are like that. So in other words, the revelation of prophecy today is also a novel idea. And it's not its not the standard. Like, oh, this person's a prophet. Not everyone's a prophet. Why? Because even, the Rebbe is powerful, even today, with the, the people that have the revelation, if you're an intellect, you're a prophet, whoever you are, even the revelation of prophecy, where does it come from? It comes from the light of the Kav, which is after the Tzimtzum. So even the prophecy and the seeing, understanding, it's not coming from the infinite light, it's coming from the Kav, which comes after the Tzimtzum. However, when Mashiach comes, then, you know what's going to happen when Mashiach comes? We're going to have the revelation of the infinite light, not from the Kav of after the Tzimtzum. We're actually going to be able to be connected to the infinite light of before the Tzimtzum. A whole different level of, level of revelation. So because when Mashiach comes, we're going to be connected not to the light, the finite light, which is after the Tzimtzum. We're going to be connected to the infinite light of before the Tzimtzum. So the prophecy of them is going to be nature. It's going to be standard. And therefore, it says in the prophets, every single person, even children, boys, girls, and the Rebbe quotes in the prophets, 
I'm going to um, spread out my spirit on every single piece of flesh. Your sons, your daughters, everyone's going to be able to prophesy. Prophecy is going to be rampant all over the place. That's going to happen when Mashiach comes. Now, the Rebbe says, this, this same idea was when people saw godliness in the times of the temple. Why? Because when the times of the temple, everyone was able to lirois, to see God and godliness. Every person, as the Torah says clearly, every single person that went up to visit the temple were able to see. Why? Because the Rebbe says, how can you see? Because the revelation that was revealed in the temple was from the light of Aaron Siphon before the Tzimtzum, not from the Kav, which came afterwards, from the infinite light of before the Tzimtzum. Now, so you can say seemingly, so what's going to be the big Kiddush of Mashiach comes? We already had it in the base of Megdash. There's a major difference. He says like this. When people saw God and godliness, and again, it was from the infinite light of before the Tzimtzum, it wasn't natural. It wasn't natural. It, that's what they saw, but wasn't that why? Because where was the revelation? All over the world? No, only in the base of Megdash. Ah. In other words, to see physical, it's just, you want to see a table, a chair, a building, a earth, a tree. You have to go to a special place in the world to see it. You see it all over the place. So, so why, why didn't you see God and godliness all over? You only saw it in the base of Megdash. So therefore you must say, the fact that the base of Megdash, you're able to see it. 100% you're able to see it. So there was a reason why you saw it. Why did you see it? Because the infinite light was shining in the base of Migdash. So it wasn't natural. It was in that place that it was shining. However, when Mashiach comes, seeing godliness is going to be natural. How do you know it's natural? Because it's not going to be limited to one place. And as the prophet says, every person will be able to see it. Which basically means that the, 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 the makeup of every single piece of flesh will be in a way that it can see godliness. So when Mashiach comes, it's not going to be in one spot. The whole world is going to see. What's the whole world going to see? The light that comes from before the Tzimtzum. So the Rebbe asks a very, very powerful question. What are we saying? When Mashiach comes, I mean, this is heavy stuff. The Rebbe is saying is when Mashiach comes, What's going to happen? The whole world is going to be able to see which light from before the Tzimtzum. Whoa. Whoa. The revela- no, think about this. Before God created the world, the infinite light was all over. How did God create the world? He had to create a Tzimtzum, a concealment, put down the Urakav, and from there he was able to create the world. Why didn't, he, why didn't the infinite light shine in the world, because if the infinite light shine in the world, this world wouldn't exist. It's too strong. What are we saying when Mashiach comes? We're going to have the revelation of the Oyer Ein Seif the infinite light in the world? Infinite light and physical world is two opposites. So how can you say when Mashiach comes you're going to have it? Why? Because we see clearly when the infinite light filled that space, you, Hashem couldn't have created the world. In order for Hashem to create the world, he had to actually clear that space out. And how did he create the world? Specifically what? By clearing the space out, which is the opposite of revelation. 
So how is it possible that the physical world that we're living in, and to take it a step further, the bus or gashmi, our physical flesh, should be in a way that God should be, the infinite light should be revealed in our physical flesh, in the physical, how's that going to work? And the Rebbe explains something very, very deep, but very, very powerful, and he says like this. When Hashem originally did the Tzimtzum Rishon, when Hashem originally created the first contraction, why did he do it? Why? What was his intent? His intent? To create concealment? He shouldn't be revealed? That was his goal? No. The intent of the concealment was so that God should be revealed. And, his, and he should be revealed where? In the physical world. So in other words like this. I'm going to say it in Hebrew and I'll translate it. The panemius of the tzimtzum, the internal aspect of the tzimtzum, the essence of the tzimtzum, the essence of the concealment was, and therefore not only the tzimtzum, the world and everything that was created from the tzimtzum, is not a contradiction to revelation. It, on the contrary, it welcomes revelation. The go- think Because the goal of the concealment was so God should be revealed. So the world is not a contradiction. It's on the contrary. It welcomes it. That's the whole purpose that God should be revealed. And on the contrary, revelation of God, that's what the Timsum is for. Now, that's what it's for. However, in order to reveal in the world and in the Basagashmi, in our physical flesh, the, in, the essence of the Timsum, which is for revelation, that happens by doing, by us doing our avoida in Gaulus, and specifically in Gaulus. So in other words, like this, to recap, this is an important piece, extremely important. What you're ever saying is like this. When Hashem originally created the con- contraction, what was the purpose? The purpose was so that the infinite should be revealed in the world. That was the intent. So therefore, the world is not crying against revelation. On the contrary, it's begging for revelation. It's ready for revelation. It wants revelation. But in order for revelation to happen, we have to do our work in Golos, in exile, like we mentioned before, through the, the Midah of Nitzachayin, and that will, that will bring the whole puzzle together that the world could be a vessel for the revelation. So there's two, almost like two ingredients that's needed in the world for the revelation of the infinite light. One is that the intention was for revelation, and number two, our avoidance. So based on this, Rebbe explains, why the Friedrich Rebbe adds, the previous Rebbe adds in the Chassidic Discourse, Shehayirida, the downgrade, the concealment, is for Letzayra Chalia, for the intent of elevation. Why? Because based on this, he's explaining as follows. That this, that our avoida in Gullus, our work when the lights are off, is causing the revelation when Mashiach comes. So our work is not only to create the revelation of things which are higher than understanding and seeing, that Mashiach is going to reveal it as a king. He's going to come and teach us things which are off the charts, things that we can't understand, can't see, and the Mashiach is going to teach us that. But even things that we could understand, and even things that we do see, that Mashiach is going to teach us as a Rav, as a teacher, 
even these ideas that he's going to teach us is, is going to come to us because of our work in the time of exile. Why? Because this that when Mashiach comes, we're going to be on the level of a rochal baser. Every one of us physical, flesh, bodies, materialistic people are going to see godliness. And we're going to see it not because we're jumping out of the box, but from literally from the nature of our physical human beings of flesh and materialism and finite, etc., is going to see godliness. How is that? How can we see it? And here's the key point. That specifically because we reveal the kavana primis, the, in, the intention, the internal intention of the downgrade. And what is that? That you read the that the downgrade, the concealment is, main purpose is not to keep us concealed, that the concealment is, is for the revelation, is so that we can see God and godliness, which is a very, very deep idea. And this is the key, that the goal is to look at concealment, not God forbid it's concealment, but the concealment is so that we can have the revelation. And in the concealment, when we do our avoidah, netzach, that will give us the greatest revelation when Mashiach comes. And Rebbe says, this idea that the tzimtzum is for the giloi, that means the concealment is to create the revelation. Where is that specifically revealed? That is revealed, as we said before, through the avoida, our avoida in the time of Golas. So literally every single day in Golas, we stand strong, we pull out netzach, and we learn, and we pray, and we do mitzvahs, and we're happy, and we love, and we, life is great. We are prepping the way to have the greatest revelations when Mashiach comes. Why? Because coming down into Gullus, Gullus is going down. God is not revealed. But when God is not revealed, what's the reason why he's not revealed? Not because he's God forbid he wants to, re- wants to hide from us. No, no, no. The purpose of this concealment is to have a tremendous revelation which is going to be afterwards. Just like the symptom is for the Gilui, the Gullus is for the Gula. However, this Yerida and Gullus, this that we're going down to exile, that which, what we can, add, what we basically add, and what the, and the benefit that we get is that even while we're in Gullus, that means even though while God's concealed, what happens then is we see reality that's specifically in Gullus, specifically in exile. We see clearly that through the concealment of Gullus, it awakens within us mysterious nefesh. Think about that. Specifically in the Gullus, specifically in the darkness, specifically in the exile, that awakens and that inspires our mysterious nefesh. And Rebbe says, where do you see this idea? Because And the previous Rebbe explains, he says very simple, that specifically in Gullus, which means God's concealed, and specifically in the times of Ikvist the Mashiach, which means the times before Mashiach when it's very, very dark. What do we see then? We see clearly that the power of Mesiris Nefesh is much greater than the times of the Beis Migdash. In the times of the Beis Migdash, the light was on, but there was no Mesiris Nefesh. 
When do we pull up mysterious nefesh? When do we really get going? When are we really, really motivated? Not when the light's on. No, no, no. Dafkin, now specifically now in Gullus. And he brings a simple mashal, a simple analogy. So, for example, we know that in, in the spheros that we have, so there's 10 spherot. So the, high, so the highest sphero is Kesser. Now, Kesser is a sphero makif. It's a very, very powerful sphero. In Kesser, there's two levels. Tainig is the highest. We're not going to talk about that right now. We have the lower one, which is Rotsin. Rotsin is a very, very powerful sphero. And I'm not talking Rotsin, which, which is motivated by emotions or motivated by intellect. We're talking pure Rotsin. When a person has a Rotsin, a will to do something, it's very, very powerful. So let's say a person decides they want to do something. Now, it's a koyach makif. It's a very, very powerful tool. It's not something which is internalized, you understand and you feel. And because it's a koyach makif, it affects you on all levels. When you decide you want to do something, the intellect's on board, the emotions on board, the, the physical activities on board, everything is going with it. But nevertheless, where do you see the expression and who's jumping first to act, actualize the, the, the power that, the, that Ratzin wants? You see clearly, you know, you know who jumps in first? The heels. Why? And the is very, very simple. He gives a simple analogy. Let's say, for example, you're going, you want to go into a hot spa. And it's very, very hot. Boiling hot. So your mind's, should I go, shouldn't I go, it's too hot, I'll wait. Let's get ice. Whatever you're thinking there. The feeling, I don't feel, it doesn't feel so comfortable. Guess what? You know who goes in first? The head doesn't go in first. Your body, your heart doesn't go, your feet go in first. Why? Because when it comes to the power of Ratzon, what gets, what makes it happen first? Specifically, where there's the, the least amount, where's the more amount of energy? Intellect, emotions, or your feet? Intellect. It's your intellect next to the emotions. But guess what? When it comes to Ratzon, who goes first? The feet go first. So the, remember, the same idea applies about the Jewish people as a whole. That the power of Mesiris Nefesh, which is basically the power which is infinite, because you can't, it's not intellect, it's not emotion, the power of Mesiris Nefesh, where do we find the power of Mesiris Nefesh play out and who accesses the power of Mesiris Nefesh? When you look at the Jewish people as a whole, simple people, simple people, which we call the, the heel people. Greater than the intellect. The intellect has to have a plan. You have to have a meeting. You have to discuss it. The, the foot soldier goes and gets it done. And so that's in general about the Jewish people. And Jarvis says the same thing also applies if you look at all the generations. Why? Because we're, you see from all the generations in history that's acting on mysterious nefesh the most, specifically the generation of Vikvist the Meshicha, the generation right now. Why? Because the fact is, Rebbe says, that the concealment of Gullus has the power to awaken the power of Mesiris Nefesh. Concealment awakens Mesiris Nefesh. Now, even though concealment and revelation is two opposites, he's saying concealment, God's concealed, that's when it gets revealed. It's opposites. And the answer is, the Rebbe says, very simple. Because what is the source of the concealment? What's the first concealment? The first symptom. And what did we just learn before the taught us a powerful idea? What is the intent? What is the primius kavana? What is the internal intent of the first symptom? Not the symptom, not the concealment. The intent is the revelation. 
So since the intent of the first concealment is the revelation, so the same thing in Golos, even though it's Golos, it's concealed, but the intent of Golos is the revelation. And therefore, specifically when you have the greatest concealment, what you really have is the intent of revelation is screaming. And that's where you have the greatest mysterious nefesh. And when a person does his spiritual work in Golos, when it's, when it's dark and it's concealed, but what work does he do? He does mysterious nefesh. So this way, what happens then is you reveal, you reveal in a revealed way, in a practical way, the internal essence of the concealment, that the essence of, of concealment, literally, even in its source, in the first concealment of the first Simpson, is that the concealment is for the revelation. And based on this, Trevor says, based on what we just learned, we'll understand why the avoidah, the spiritual work in the time of Golas, and specifically in, Mashiach, in the times before Mashiach, where we're finding ourselves now. So we find two unique components which are taking place right now, and we're part of this piece of history. There's two ideas. One is you see clearly that in Golas right now, before Mashiach is coming, learning of Chassidus, that you can comprehend and you can understand, just like we're doing right now. We're learning heavy chsidus on YouTube, on the internet. We can all understand, we can comprehend it, etc. That's one component which is amazingly available today all over the internet. And every single Chabad house, every shul, and every Torah center, everyone's learning chsidus. Everybody wants to learn Kabbalah. Everybody wants to learn the secrets of the Torah. That's number one that we see today very, very strong, which was not before. And the second thing is they avoid the today of Messias Nefesh. People today, they do understand, they don't understand, they feel people want to learn, people want to do mitzvahs, people don't want to disconnect from Hashem, people want to pray. Mesiris Nefesh, Nitzachayim, we just want to do the right thing. Two powerful components that take, that take place today. Why? Because, in, because what's going to happen is when Mashiach comes, Mashiach is going to teach us Chassidus as well. There's also the, both of those components. In other words, you're going to have the chassidus which you're able to comprehend and able to understand. And you're going to have the essence of chassidus, which is higher than understanding. Higher than even seeing. Now since all that we said before, all the revelations of Mashiach comes, what is it dependent on? Our avoidant gullus. The avoidant we do in gullus, that's going to affect the revelation of Mashiach comes. So therefore, what we need to do today is those two things. One, learning chassidus, which is actually a, 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 a taste of what the Torah of Mashiach is going to be like. And you have to learn it, that you're able to understand it, comprehend it. But also what we need to do today is what? The avoid of Mesiris Nefesh. Willing to go on self-sacrifice. Practically speaking means Mesiris HaRatzim. We all have Ratzim, we have a strong will. We need to give up our will. Our will we need to give up. We have to do Ratzim Hashem. Because we have a strong will. We want to do this, we want to do that. You have to ask one question. What is Ratzim Hashem? And by doing these two spiritual works, which basically, what are the two spiritual works? Learning Chassidus, which means we understand Chassidus, and be accepting the Ratzin Hashem, giving up our Ratzin, will merit for the tremendous revelation of Mashiach on both levels. Mashiach being a Rav that's going to teach us things that they're able to comprehend and understand. And also the idea of Mashiach being a king, that he's going to teach us things above intellect, above vision. And the Rebbe finishes off by saying, a Mitzvah Mashiach will come very, very soon, Bekarov Mamash. 
So you see, this is a beautiful, powerful Hasidic discourse to get ready for Achrash Pesach, the horror of Mashiach. And I think the lesson is, this powerful lessons over here. I just want to share, I think, what the th- three most important lessons of the Hasidic discourse is. Number one is, we have to learn Hasidus, we have to understand Hasidus. Because when we learn and stand Hasidus, we're going to be get ready for when the revelation of Mashiach comes, he's going to be a Ram, he's going to teach us. But also we have to be willing to Mesiris Haratza and give over our will and ask what's the will of Hashem. And then obviously Mashiach will teach us things off the charts as well as a, as a Melech. But I think another powerful practical teaching that the Rebbe teaches over here, over here is that the source of all the concealments is the first concealment, but the intent was the revelation. So therefore because the intent revelation, the really when you look at a concealment, it's not about concealment. You look at it as a concealment, but within, buried within the concealment is really a cry for revelation. So anytime, unfortunately, you're going through a struggle and you feel like, oh my gosh, how can I deal with it? Guess what? In there, there's room for tremendous revelation. Deep down within every concealment, there's tremendous revelation. If we stand strong with Midas HaNetzach and we go to our Midas HaNetzach, which means we're willing and we're ready to do what we have to learn, pray, do the mitzvahs, be happy, to uh, have Avas Yisrael. Everything we're supposed to do will, God willing, have a great life, will always be in the light. And Amir Hashem will all merit, like the Rebbe says over here, with uh, with Mashiach coming very, very soon. And he'll teach us Torah on levels of off the charts and we'll experience uh, the real freedom. And the real freedom is being connected to Hashem Obviously, by learning straight from Mashiach. So let's hope and pray our next class will be Yerushalayim Ir HaKodesh. Have a great and blessed week and a happy Pesach. And we should all be experience real freedom on the highest levels.